Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Chirletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from London is Christian Hun. Christian is the founder of the firm Human Risk, and we're going to have sort of a wide-ranging discussion on how compliance is likely to evolve in the post-pandemic era. Uh, Christian, thank you for taking the time to talk to us from a very quiet London. Absolute pleasure to be here, Adam. As for us to now, first of all, how do you see broad strokes compliance changing in the post-pandemic world? So look, I, I think there's two interesting things happening. The, one is something that we're all familiar with from, from lots of other contexts, which is that the, the pandemic has been accelerating certain trends that we've seen before. And so I think that applies as much as it does you know, to people's business models, as much as it does to, to, to compliance. The second bit then is that I think that it's bringing some additional challenges in terms of the dynamics that are there. So taking those two pieces, I'd say that you know the, the, the first trends that I see uh, that, that were already happening, but I think are being exacerbated by it are things like increasing use of technology, having uh, more remote workforces, people under a lot of business pressure and having to uh, really deliver for businesses to be able to survive. So there's all of those sorts of dynamics that mean uh, that you know they, they were happening already to a certain extent, but they they've been exacerbated by the piece. And in terms of the specific challenges, I think that the that the pandemic's brought out. Um, you know, there's a lot more focus on ethical issues. We're really starting to question the businesses that we interact with and watching decisions that might under ordinary circumstances just be a normal business decision can have an ethical component. Which staff are you requiring to come into the office? Which staff are you putting into, into certain positions? Strategic decisions that you make, decisions you make around how you interact with your customers and how you treat your customers. All of those things are, are being elevated. So I think there's increasing pressure on uh, people sitting in kind of compliance and ethics roles to be thinking much more broadly around some of these particular challenges. And I think regulators as well are getting concerned and changing their focus slightly. So we're seeing, I would say, a whole range of different factors that means the role of what compliance is and what compliance needs to deliver is is coming under quite a lot of pressure, both from an amount of a volume that needs to be accommodated, but also just in terms of the range of things that people need to be thinking about and the range of challenges. And I think, therefore, I would say, you know, this is quite a tough time for compliance people. Well, it's certainly challenging. And what's interesting is you were describing all the various factors is there's sort of two opposing things going on. On the one hand, you talked about there's much more business pressure, which quite often leads to bad decision making. People who are stressed don't exactly usually make the best decisions and right. compliance and ethics tends to get compromised. And at the same token, you said that uh, you know people are focusing much more on ethics uh, as they deal with issues like, is it right to ask people to come back to work? So it's likely to be an interesting time. Now, one of the things as I've talked to people that's come up a lot is the importance of communication skills um, and the need to improve them dramatically, given the fact that there will be less face-to-face, -face, most likely people don't have as much time. So you really have to make the most of every message. Um, what aspects of communication skills uh, should compliance com professionals really focus on? So I, you know, I think it's interesting. If you if you asked people what compliance is about, it, you know, there would be a heavy focus on the regulations, understanding the regulations, and being being an expert in the regulations. But actually, if you look at the, you know, what is the business of compliance is about influencing human decision making because organisations can't be compliant of their own accord. It's the people within the organisation that determine whether it's compliant. So compliance has always been the business of influencing people. 
But I think now what we're looking and saying, well, we've got, you know, there are new methods and techniques that can be used to communicate with people. So even outside this idea of having a remote workforce, I think there was a huge amount of uh, need for compliance people to skill themselves in terms of how to communicate both the, 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 the sort of soft skill, if you like, but also understanding the technology and what it can do. And that's clearly then been exacerbated by the pandemic. And one of the things I think is interesting is that people have been spending time in their domestic environments, seeing what else is out there. So we're all familiar with Zoom. We're all familiar with uh, you know other other forms of software and other approaches and other ways that communication happens nowadays. And so I think if you have a corporate compliance program that doesn't look like it's modern and engaging in a way that people uh, in, in in other fields are able to engage with us, I think that's a challenge. So I think being sort of digitally savvy is really important understanding the technology that's at your disposal understanding the clever ways that you can communicate with people um you know do you need to give somebody an hour's worth of training could you do something that's much more engaging could you use video much more could you use could you deliver audio products um you know it, it astonishes me that many people don't use podcasts for example as a mechanism for distributing compliance material and yet you know, it's obviously it's a format that we're using right now. So I think there's lots of things there that, that evolve everything from the technical knowledge as to how you can do these things through to some of the softer skills. How do you present yourself on camera? That's very different to the way that you present yourself in front of a live audience. And so I think there's a range of different skills there that historically compliance hasn't really focused on. I think compliance people, whether they know it or not, are in the kind of media and communications business. And that requires an understanding of, of you know, communications techniques and technology. Well, you know, to your point about embracing podcasts and stuff, I mean, I, I have to say I'm both humbled and shocked by the fact that we've had over a half a million downloads for our podcasts. Congratulations. So, thank you. And it's just, it's amazing to me how many people are willing to listen to them. And, and I, I think you're right. I haven't heard of too many compliance teams doing podcasts. Now, let's talk about another aspect of technology, which is just the profusion of data. And with it being incorporated much more than before, how can compliance people best prepare themselves to both understand all the data that's out there and use it to improve their compliance programs? So I think this is a great question, Adam, because, you know, we we are sitting on a pile of data organizations. The more things that are done digitally, there's, you know, there's, there's the more data that we have. And that's not just the data, sort of basic data. That's also you know, useful contextual data. Uh, mobile devices, for example, give us information, not just about what people are doing, but where they are doing it and the context in which they're doing it. So I'd say that the proliferation of data is, you know, is only going to increase as we have these, these digital working methods. So I think the real challenge here is knowing what data you have and also working out what data is useful. Because there's, I think there's a natural presumption that we make that more data must automatically be a good thing. And of course it can be, but some of that data might not be as powerful as it seems. And we mustn't forget the fact that data comes from one place, which is the past. And as we've seen with COVID, you know, the future is not necessarily reflective of the past. So there's a lot of things that we have to get our head around. One is what data do we have? What are we using it for? Is that a good use of the data? What data can we safely ignore? Uh, it's very difficult sometimes to ignore things that we have. You think you've got the data, you should be using it. But I think there's also some innovative uses that we can put the data to. So I'll give you, you know, one example of the thing I focus on is breaches of policy isn't just useful data about which people you need to look out for in your organization. It actually tells you about the weaknesses in your control framework. If you have lots of people breaching a particular policy, that tells you there is probably something wrong with the policy. 
either the training around it, what the policy is doing, the way it's communicated. That's a really useful data point that people don't think to use in that way. They think to use of in terms of reprogramming the people. But you could also use this data for reprogramming your compliance framework and looking at how things operate. So I think there's a good example of, of a sort of you know a data point that we use for one purpose that actually could serve a completely different one. But having an awareness of what's out there is critical, understanding what is important and meaningful, and particularly this point around making sure that you're not just basing your decisions on data from the past without thinking about whether that's really relevant for the future. And then also thinking about the data that you don't have. It's really easy to focus on what you've got, but actually there may be some other data that you don't have that you could get hold of, or even if you don't have the data, you don't think you can get hold of it, know that fact, be aware of the fact of the data that you don't have, because one day it may be available, but it also again tells you the weaknesses in what you're looking at. If you're only looking at part of the information, then you may be missing big chunks. It's very tempting to focus on the data that we have rather than thinking about the data that we should have. Yeah, it's always one of those things where you know what you can see and what you can touch and what you're used to tends to get more attention than what you can't. Right. Now, you and I share a passion for better understanding behavioral science and the drivers of human behavior. Um, what are some tools of behavioral science that should be put to work more right now by compliance teams? So I come back to my earlier depiction of compliance and ethics as the business of influencing human decision-making. And if you frame it in that way and think about it in that way, one of the things you very quickly start to realize is that traditional methods of compliance aren't necessarily behaviorally intelligent. And by what I mean by that is that we don't think about things from the perspective of the target audience. We make a presumption that, well, they're employed by the company and we can just tell them what to do. And so, you know, often people are dragged into training that is not the most stimulating or indeed isn't relevant. Uh, and, and, you know, all the, all the relevance isn't explained to people. And we train people on regulation, whereas actually what we need to be doing is training them on the situations that they're going to be, training them in the real world, letting people know what's useful. And I think that for me is the biggest key piece here. And if you start to look at compliance as influencing decision-making, many of the methods that are used nowadays wouldn't pass muster because we look at it from what's convenient to the organization. Whereas actually what we should be looking at doing, saying what is effective for the person? How am I gonna engage that person to make sure they know what they need to know? And so you get lots of training, for example, that, that asks questions around failure to do the following, will have you go to jail for five years, 10 years, 15 years, or 20 years, which is a really simple question to ask, but it's totally irrelevant doesn't make any difference. I don't want someone arbitraging. This rule's only gonna send me to jail for five years. This one's 25 years. I'll be careful with the 25 year old, care less about the other one. It's an irrelevant question. And the message it sends to people is the only reason that training is happening is because the organization needs to fulfill a legal requirement rather than looking at the substance of it and saying, why is this important when? And I think this idea of you know behavioral science is all about understanding why people do things, what motivates their decision-making. So thinking around, what problems and challenges are individuals going to face? Where are they most likely to get things wrong? And focusing on that and working out clever ways that you can communicate to people, communicate it at the point at which it's most relevant. Those are the sorts of things that behavioral science is very good at. And if you look at other uses of behavioral science, that's what it focuses on, is how can I get this behavior change that I want from the target audience? Using those same skills for compliance ends is produces some amazing results. And that's, that's what I've you know, spent my career as a compliance officer doing that. And that's what I help my clients with at the moment is looking at that and thinking really about the target audience and saying, how can we get this message across to them so they'll do what we want them to do?
you know, as you mentioned, the words target audience, it's an advertising term, and it took me back to my 13 years in ad agencies. And one of the exercises we used to do was take a look and first write down what you thought people thought about the product or service now and what you wanted them to think after seeing the ad. And that gave you a good opportunity to really focus on what you want people to take away from the message and basically also to avoid sort of the extraneous stuff and get you in the head of the listener or you know in the case for compliance people the employees rather than in your own head now one of the impacts we've seen from the pandemic is much more interaction for the better by compliance teams with the business unit and leadership um, what skills should compliance professionals be focusing on to reap the maximum value out of these improved uh, and hopefully deeper relationships look i th i think there are whole host of soft skills that one needs to be deploying. So I, I you know, I focused on communication skills earlier on. Um, I think interpersonal skills are very important. Influencing ability is very important. Being able to read people is very critical because I come back to this piece around compliance being the business of influencing others. And you need to understand how what makes them tick and what 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 will land with them. So I would say, you know, understanding both the the sort of the neuroscience and the behavioral science around these pieces so some of those some of those sort of skill sets you know, the influencing skills that people have but i think also being able to read people and being able to do all of those things digitally so again understanding uh, how could you find different ways to communicate innovative ways to communicate because as we communicate with people through a screen um it's very difficult a lot of the emotions that we normally transmit the things you could feel on a face-to-face -face basis you can read the room if you're in a physical room very difficult to read a screen in the same way so recognizing some of those pieces there's lots of training out there around you know how to have better digital experiences and it's something that i've, I've been looking working on and i think understanding the environment that we're in and thinking about some of the soft skills that you may have learned from the physical environment and transmuting that across to, well, how does that play in a digital world? How can I get my message across to people? How can I read people? And how can I find ways to kind of re-inject human interaction? Because this digital format that we have, the screen, it's very sterile. And so thinking about the equivalent of sort of digital happy hours and other ways that you can communicate people, really, really, really important. So I think interpersonal skills becomes an absolutely key piece of the compliance toolkit. Well, I think communication skills are you know, incredibly important. I think they always will be, but we definitely at a point in time right now where it's time for those to morph as we morph how we interact with people as a result of this pandemic. Well, Christian, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletop from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>